Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What is going on everyone? My name is Andy. Welcome back to another FPL video. In this one I'm going to be taking a look at which teams have the best fixtures over the next six game weeks and then talking about whether there's any players from those teams that we should be looking to target, keep hold of or maybe just avoid entirely. Uh, Fantasy Football Hub do have a fixture analyzer as part of their tool setup. If you want to sign up for that with up to 30% off at the moment there are links in the description below. I've looked at overall over the next six game weeks but you can sp expand that to kind of more game weeks, less game weeks it depends how long term you're looking but you can also look at the fixtures from an attacking point of view defensive who's going to get the most points who's going to score the most goals and clean sheets as well so it's quite a customizable tool and i'd recommend checking it out so if you do want to look at that links in the description below otherwise let's get into it so let's start off with newcastle who come into a fixture swing starting in game week five with brentford at home and it also includes sheffield united away and burnley at home in the next three game weeks the thing i like about newcastle is they've had a pretty tricky fixture run to start this premier league season if we have a quick reminder of the games that they've played, it's Villa at home, Man City away, Liverpool at home and Brighton away. But despite that, they've still put up 1.73 expected goals per 90 minutes and that's non-penalty. And they've only conceded 1.23, which is pretty impressive. So I think Newcastle are a team that most people would agree are going to score a lot of goals this season. But there are some concerns about their defence. They've only kept two clean sheets in the last 20 Premier League games. So I do understand why some people might not want to invest. But I'm a big believer in underlying stats in terms of making predictions. And it doesn't always tell the whole story. And it's not the only thing you should think about. But Newcastle's defensive numbers last season and now the start of this season have been pretty impressive. So I'd be surprised with this fixture run they've got coming up if they don't start keeping some clean sheets. The big question mark is whether or not Newcastle will rotate a little bit more than maybe they did last season because obviously they're in the Champions League this year and not just that but they've had a really tough draw as well. I don't really have any doubts that Newcastle are going to go for it in the Champions League. It's been a long time since they were in that competition. They've also got a very tough draw so to win those games they're going to have to play a full strength 11. But I still think that we exaggerate how much rotation there's going to be. It could just be that certain players have their minutes managed. So rather than playing 80 to 90 minutes in the Premier League, it might be that they now play 70 to 80 and someone comes off the bench for them instead. Like Trippier, low to talk about the amount of rotation there's going to be. He's not suddenly going to miss three games in the Premier League this early on in the season. He might just miss one game. 
And to be fair, for 6.5 million, that might be enough to not go for him. But I think the idea that he's going to suddenly miss every other game to concentrate on playing on the Champions League, probably not going to happen. I also wonder whether that rotation might be good for some players that we're not currently thinking about. So if you look at the first four games for Newcastle, Izak has started as the number nine in every single one. And he's been subbed off early so that Wilson can come on and play. But if they're going to play their full strength 11 in the Champions League, which is what a lot of people think, surely that means first choice number nine, Alexander Izak. So who's going to play in the Premier League? Does that mean it's going to be Callum Wilson? And if he does, with Brentford at home, Sheffield United away, Burnley at home, West Ham away, Palace at home, he could now be quite a good option. I personally think, because we have to have this discussion in the first place, there's probably too much doubt about both of them. If Izak continues to start, he's probably only going to get 70 to 75 minutes. Then Wilson will come on and probably vice versa as well. And it might mean that Wilson does play the majority of the next five to six fixtures. But if Izak starts the odd one or two, it's probably not going to be worth it, even though Wilson just cannot stop scoring goals. So the rotation might be good for certain players. But I still think there's enough doubt in the minutes that I'd probably just avoid those attackers. And I think it's a similar conversation with the midfielders. I just don't think I'd be willing to go there because of the minutes threat. They do have a lot of depth in those positions. So for the first two games, Gordon and Almiron have started every single one. But if you look at Gordon's minutes, he's only made it past the 71st minute once. And that was against Brighton in game week four. So it was 67 against Villa, 55 against Man City and 71 against Liverpool. Now Almiron's played a little bit more. 85 in each of the games versus City and Villa and it was 90 against Liverpool but only 57 against Brighton so I would just worry going forward those minutes being managed will continue to happen and at some point someone else might start instead and it's a very similar conversation to Wilson and Isaac. if Gordon is currently first choice left winger and they're prioritizing the Champions League well surely Gordon plays those games which means Harvey Barnes could come in at some point. And I just don't think that is worth the headache, especially when there's so many good midfielders right now. So for me, it will probably be the defenders that I look at from Newcastle. When they're all fit and available, the obvious ones to think about are Trippier, Cher and Botman. Generally, Trippier is the most attacking of the three. We saw that last year. It hasn't quite happened so far. But obviously, the four games they've played are difficult from a defensive and an attacking point of view. So I'm not really too concerned about that. I'd be surprised if Trippier comes away from the next six game weeks without any attacking returns. He's put up 0.18 expected goal involvement so far. And again, I would expect that to increase with these better fixtures they got coming up. The only thing to think about with Trippier is he is 6.5 million. And he may well be worth it for that price, but you really need to think about what other moves that might block in the future. So for my team, for example, like things look okay money-wise. I can easily get to Trippier. I've got 2.2 million in the bank. I can go from Saliba or Estrepinian up to him. But that means that I wouldn't be able to get someone like Son for Sterling if I wanted to sell him. I'd have to sell Rashford or maybe Fernandes instead. And I know some of you will be thinking that's fine to sell the Man United players. But if you're in a position where there's midfielders you want to keep and you want to sell the cheaper one, but you can't do that if you get Trippier as well, that is something you've got to consider. So I know one thing that people are worried about with Trippier is rotation because obviously he didn't miss a lot of games last year, but now they have Champions League. He's also one year older and they've signed Liveramento. I think it's worth remembering with Liveramento, he's still quite young. Like it feels like he's been around for quite a long time and we know he's a good player, but he's still only 20 years old. So I think that signing is of course back up for Trippier. But I also think it's a move for the future as well. So if Trippi is fit and available, I still think he starts the majority of games. If you're in any way 
doubtful about that then it probably isn't going to be worth 6.5 million but if you're confident it definitely could be at the end of the day all the newcastle defenders are going to get exactly the same amount of points for the clean sheet so it's just about weighing up whether or not that extra attack and output from trippier is worth it so you've got share at 5 million and botman at 4.5 if he's fit and available after the international break he still looks like an absolute bargain and he might have fallen to 4.4 by that point so is it worth an extra 2 2.1 million to get trippier that's really going to depend on your team but there are definitely other ways you can get into the Newcastle defence for a lot less money. My plan, for example, is probably still to get Trippier. But if I decide that I want to save my wildcard a little bit later than game week 9, but I still want to get Salah in, then I probably need to go a little bit cheaper with my defence. And that would mean no Trippier. So I think they're the obvious three to go for. You could also look at dan burn as well he seems to be first choice left back and if botman is out he also plays center back as well but i think there's a little bit of competition there with lewis hall at some point he's probably going to be used as well and i just don't think dan burn is necessarily worth that risk i do think anyhow likes him i don't expect lewis hall to suddenly come in and have that left back spot nailed down but i just don't think that dan burn is worth it when you can get botman for a similar price and Fabian Share for a little bit more, who has quite a bit of uh, attacking threat from set pieces as well. The other position to think about is, of course, the goalkeeper. So you've got Nick Pope at 5.5 million. And obviously, if you change your goalkeeper, you're thinking quite long term. So to back a defence like Newcastle is not the worst thing to consider. But I find it really hard to justify 5.5 million when you can get Share for 5 and Botman for 4.5 and it's not necessarily a directly fair comparison because obviously if you choose one of the defenders you can go for a different goalkeeper and vice versa but for 5.5 you could get Edison to back the Man City clean sheets we know there'll be some rotation with the defenders in that team or even Allison, who's consistently one of the top scoring goalkeepers you could go for him instead and we're going to talk about Liverpool a little bit later so I'd find it hard to justify 5.5 for Nick Pope ultimately I think with Newcastle and sometimes we get these situations in FPL the fixtures are good they're a team that are going to score a lot of goals the underlying data looks good for the defense as well but because of possible rotation the amount of squad depth they've got and the European matches it might not be the worst thing to mostly avoid them I do feel like in six game weeks time I'll be sat here saying why did I not go for one of Isaac or Wilson and it's not completely off the table for me, but right now with those fixtures and everything else taken into consideration, it's mostly the defence I'm going to look at. So next up is Spurs, whose fixtures are a little bit weird. On the whole, over the next six game weeks, they're pretty good, but they do have to play Arsenal away and Liverpool at home in game week six and seven. So in the short term, it is maybe a little bit more difficult. On the whole, though, they have been good so far this season. Obviously, we have to caveat everything by saying we've only seen four games so far, but they've got 1.82 expected goals per 90, so the attack has been decent and 1.38 expected goals conceded so not quite as good there but they have had to play decent attacking teams like man united and brentford so far so overall spurs are looking good and i don't think you need stats in general to see that they are doing much better under Ange postacoglu especially in attack whether or not to bring in a defender this week really depends on whether you can bench them straight afterwards because this week you get to play them against sheffield united at home which is one of the best fixtures you can get for a defender but i wouldn't want to play them against arsenal or liverpool so if you need a new defender then happy days bring a spurs one in just make sure that you've got other defenders that you can play over the next couple of game weeks and then you've got them ready for Luton away in game week eight Fulham at home in game week nine and then Crystal Palace away in game week 10 in terms of the defenders to look at it would definitely be between Udogi or Poro for me I wouldn't look at the centre-backs at all I don't think they really offer enough even though Romero has done very well from an attacking sense so far 
I think I would still pick Udogi. He's a little bit cheaper than Poro, but also I'm more concerned about Emerson Royale getting minutes on the right than I am with Ben Davies getting minutes on the left. I think Poro has been brilliant, and if him and Udogi were going to get exactly the same amount of minutes, I would pick Poro because I think he's going to be a bit more attacking, more likely to take a shot on. But I think with everything we've seen so far, plus the slight kind of difference in price right dog is only 4.7 versus power at five i probably would still go for the left back the only two to really look at in attack are son and madison they're the only two that i would pretty much guarantee to start every single game especially given they've got no european competitions to worry about or anything like that anyone else is just too prone to rotation especially with a sign of brennan johnson because he can pretty much play anywhere across that attack i think most people would expect him to play on the right in which case he would offer competition to Kulisevsky. And on the left, you've got Solomon. Richarlison can play there. And if someone else plays through the middle, Son would move to left wing anyway. So if you're looking for an attacker, it's got to be one of those two. So Madison is just an all-round great pick. He's a decent price. We know his position. He's going to start every single game. His minutes are good. The stats are good. He's on all set pieces. There's really not too much to dislike about him. He could even be on penalties as well. That's not a guarantee, by the way. My opinion is that it will be Son. But it could possibly be Madison. So if you want to go for him, he is a great pick. I would say if you don't already own him, there is maybe a case to be made to just hope for the best against Sheffield United at home, bet against him, and then wait until after Arsenal away and Liverpool at home. Because in the next five game weeks, the fixtures are decent. Sheffield United at home, Luton away, Fulham at home. But two of those aren't until game week eight and nine. So possibly you could just bet against him and hope that the damage is kind of minimal. If you're thinking longer term with your transfers, or you're on wildcard right now and you need to think longer term, then there is nothing wrong with going with Madison. And to be fair, last week when people were choosing between him and Stern, it was pretty close anyway. So a decent pick, but I think maybe he could wait a little bit longer. Son is definitely a bigger talking point. He's gone from mostly ignored in the FPL community to almost being talked about like he's essential. And obviously him playing number nine is new information that we have. And if he is on penalties, that would make him one of the best picks in the game. But we don't know if either of those things are definitely true. Is he always going to play number nine now? Is he on penalties? He could be. And if I had to bet, that is what I think will happen. But like I said, it's not a definite. So could we just wait a few more games to see what happens and then look to target him from game week eight onwards with loot and away? That's something I'm thinking about. I know some people are probably thinking that's crazy talk, right? How can the guy that got moved to number nine and then scored a hat trick not play there in the next game? And for what it's worth, I think that's what's more likely to happen. I would bet a lot of money that against Sheffield United, Son will be the number nine. I'm just saying it's not a definite. Richarlison went off with an injury in the Carabao Cup game. That's what Ange Postacoglu said. A bit of a knock. So perhaps he wasn't fully fit to start the Burnley game. Who knows? It's not like he's been playing great anyway. But they've also got Brennan Johnson. Now, again, I think he'll mostly be used in wider positions. But he could play through the middle if needed. If up against certain opposition, that's how Ange Postacoglu wants to set up. So I think Son will be there number nine for Sheffield United. Whether that's as good a fixture as Burnley... I don't know because Sheffield United will probably sit a lot deeper. We saw them frustrate Man City for quite a while in that game. But either way, on paper, it's a great fixture. Son is brilliant in front of goal. If he plays number nine, he's definitely scoring in that game. It's just about how many points he will get and whether or not you're willing to risk going without him until game week eight or later. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? 
Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So I think most people would agree that Man United haven't been at their absolute best so far this season. The performances have been a bit all over the place, and the underlying stats kind of show that as well. So from an attacking point of view, they've put up 1.8 non-penalty expected goals per 90, but defensively it's 1.85 expected goals conceded per 90 minutes. That is pretty bad. So I don't think most people are going to be targeting them for defensive returns, but there is potential from an attacking sense still. So if we look at the fixtures, you've got Brighton at home in game week 5, a team that haven't kept a clean sheet all season then it's Burnley away in game week six a team that have just conceded five goals to Spurs and I know what people are going to say Spurs is a better attack they look more fluid more cohesive like they know what they're doing and I wouldn't massively disagree with that but the expected goals generated between Spurs and Man United are very similar and I actually think Although when you watch Man United, sometimes it looks a bit all over the place, they have created a lot of chances, right? If you think about Spurs, how did they not score in the first half? Should have had more goals against Wolves, even though Wolves played really well in that game. And again, Man United weren't great from a defensive point of view, but attacking-wise, it wasn't so bad. If you look at the Nottingham Forest game, you're thinking, how has Casemiro not put that ball in that was crossed in from Fernandes on the corner? So Man United could have scored more goals so far this year. So can they go and put three or four past Burnley? I think they're capable. Then it's back-to-back -back home games against Palace and Brentford. And then it's Sheffield United away in game week nine. And one of the arguments against Man United is they can't break teams down. And that definitely has been a problem. But if you watch that Nottingham Forest game, they went 2-0 up and then started sitting deep. What did Man United do? They eventually broke them down. So... It's not necessarily a speciality of that team, but it is possible. So I think these next five fixtures for an attacker do look pretty good. I think there maybe is an argument to even buy Man United attackers if you don't have them right now. Now, I have to say in all that, I know that most people aren't going to go out and buy a Man United attacker, and that's perfectly fine. I wouldn't necessarily say there's a need to do that, but there's definitely not a need to rush out to sell them either. The thing to remember with Rashford and Fernandez is they're absolutely nailed on to start every single game, and their minutes are very good as well. And obviously with Fernandez, you get penalties. And there's going to be other teams we talk about in this video where they have got really good attackers, but we can't be sure they're going to start every game or get good minutes whereas you know that is the case with Rashford and Fernandes and we've seen them score plenty of points in the past so it might be fine to not go and buy them even though I think there is an argument with the fixtures that are coming up maybe not this week but from game week six onwards but if you own them I'd be re really careful about selling them I've seen people think about Rashford to Son and I definitely think that pays off in game week five but after that, I'm not so sure because Burnley away and Crystal Palace at home is definitely easier than Arsenal away and Liverpool at home. So the only other Man United attacker worth thinking about is Rasmus Hoyland. I think anyone else just either isn't going to get enough minutes or probably isn't going to be attacking enough to warrant a place in our FPL squads. Obviously, Hoyland listed as a £7 million forward. I think he's in the category of punts, right? Nothing more than that. There is a potential talent there. There's a reason that Man United spent all that money. And I do have hopes... They'll be better than all the other players Man United spent a lot of money on. But there's no guarantee that happens. We've been here before, and that's why I'm saying he's a bit of a punt. I think it's similar to Nicholas Jackson at Chelsea. There's a player that has scored goals, but not for an extended period of time. They are young. They are inexperienced. They are going to miss chances. And if you're happy to pick him, knowing all that, that's absolutely fine, especially with the fixtures that are coming up. I just think you need to kind of know the kind of player you're buying and be willing to take that risk, essentially. The defence is much easier to talk about. I would say it's a complete avoid. The stats aren't looking good. The performances aren't looking good. There's a number of injuries as well. Luke Shaw, in particular, is a big miss. Varane could be out as well. Lindelof went off injured in the last game. So did Martinez. Some of those players might be back. 
but in all it just doesn't look great for defensive returns so i certainly wouldn't be buying them if you own anana and he's probably the most popular man united defensive asset i think i would probably keep hold of him the fixtures aren't that bad coming up if there's ever going to be an improvement of that defense it's going to be right now and i think goalkeeper transfers are perfectly fine to do i've spoken about this before but they're usually the last thing that anyone wants to do so i wouldn't say go out and buy anana right now but if you've got him you can probably keep hold of him for a little while longer but otherwise it's rashford fernandez they're the only two players i'd really look at possibly hoyland i'd keep anana everyone else is probably in a void so i think attacking wise the fixtures aren't too bad for liverpool coming up you've got wolves away and west ham at home in games five and six then it spurs away and brighton away in seven and eight now don't get me wrong they're not necessarily two teams that i would look to target especially away from home but knowing how good that liverpool attack is they'll score goals in both of those games and then the really good fixtures start from game week nine onwards where they got everton at home and forest at home so attacking wise you could look to invest now defensively i'd probably wait until game week nine or later as long as he doesn't leave the club salah's always going to be the best attacking pick at liverpool we know that he's going to start every game his minutes are good and he's probably still got penalties although i guess after the misses that he's had that's not a guarantee but either way if i really wanted to target liverpool's attack that is the player that i would go for for the only thing i would say if you don't own him already there's probably no panic you look over the next four game weeks will liverpool score goals in all of those games almost certainly but which of those would you want to captain salah over harland probably not many i think from game week nine onwards there is going to be a more of a discussion about captaincy but i don't think we need it over the next four game weeks therefore going out of your way to spend 12.5 million probably isn't worth it in terms of other attackers i do wonder whether darwin nunez might and I'm only saying might here be Liverpool's first choice number nine. It's certainly not a guarantee, but he didn't start the first three games. He comes off the bench against Newcastle and grabs a couple of goals. And then he's given a start against Aston Villa in game week four. That has to be a, at least a little bit encouraging. It's worth saying that being first choice doesn't necessarily always guarantee you games. Like Fernandez's first choice always going to play, so is Salah, etc. But with someone like Nunez, it might just mean that he plays four in every five or five in every seven or something like that Klopp also has the likes of Jota and Gakpo that can both play through the middle but I do think for what it's worth and I don't get to pick the team so it actually doesn't really matter at all Nunez probably is their best number nine I know Gakpo gets used a lot a lot of people say that's because of his oppressing ability and stuff like that but I think even if Nunez is slightly worse at that he makes up for it with everything else. So I am hopeful he'll get a bunch of games moving forward. At 7.4 million, it could be worth the risk. The other thing that I like is Liverpool in the Europa League. We've already spoken about Newcastle and how there might be some rotation in the Premier League because of Champions League. Maybe it's the other way around here. Maybe uh, Klopp will be prioritising trying to get top four, at least at the start of the Europa League. He might take it a bit more seriously later on. So he plays Darwin in the Premier League and someone like Jota or Gakpo, number nine, in the Europa League could that be the way it works I don't know I'm just guessing but I do think there are encouraging signs for Darwin for anyone that's always wanted to take the risk this might be the best time to do it Luis Diaz is another attacker to consider he'll only cost you 7.7 .7 million he started all four games for Liverpool so far the only game where he had to go off quite a lot earlier was the game against Newcastle and that was because of the red card and Klopp had to make a substitution it was Diaz that got sacrificed so going forward his minutes should be pretty good I do think he's first choice although usual caveats apply they do have other players that can play in that position the biggest issue for me with Diaz is he takes up a midfield slot so if I'm choosing between Diaz or Nunez I'm going for Nunez one because I think he's more likely to get you a goal but also he takes up a forward spot 
where there's not a huge amount of standout options. There's lots of options you can consider, but none that I say, I really have to have them, I really got to have that player. Whereas in midfield, I've got five, which I don't really want to sell, but there's probably at least another five I'd be more than happy to have in my team. I can't say the same about the forwards. So I like Diaz, and I think the fact that he started all four games is very encouraging, but if I had to pick between the two, I'd probably go Darwin. Defensively, I don't think you need to worry about Liverpool until game week nine onwards. That's when the really good fixtures start. Before that, I do think they'll score goals, but defensively, it's going to be difficult. They've got Spurs away and Brighton away in game week seven and eight. Both of those teams are fully capable of wiping out the clean sheet. So then you're relying on Wolves away and West Ham at home and it just doesn't feel like there's a need to rush out and buy a Liverpool defender if you are buying one then money no object it's got to be Trent Alexander-Arnold but there is a discussion to be had about him versus Robertson and Van Dijk similar to Trippier versus Cher and Botman because money might be an issue by the time we get to game week nine if you're thinking about wildcarding this week and you want Trent money might be an, uh, an issue right now as well so it'll probably come down to those combinations that I spoke about pre-season you know, it could be Trent and a 6.5 million midfielder, of which there's a lot of good options right now, or an 8 million pound midfielder and someone like Van Dyke or Robertson. And right now, it might you might be thinking, well, I'm definitely going to go for Trent. But by game week nine, the landscape might be completely different. And you might need to go a little bit cheaper. And that could be Van Dyke or Robertson. So the goal is always going to be to get Trent. But either way, there's no rush to do it now. Let's see what the landscape looks like in game week nine. And if we've got the money, we go for him. If not, we look at Liverpool, cheaper defenders, or maybe a different team entirely. So Villa are another really good attacking side. They put up 1.77 expected goals per 90 so far, but they've also conceded 1.77 expected goals. So for defensive returns, it doesn't look great, but it is worth noting they've already played both Newcastle and Liverpool away from home, which are both pretty difficult fixtures. So on the whole, I think Aston Villa's fixtures over the next six game weeks are pretty good, but they're set up in a similar way to Spurs where they got a decent enough game in game week five in this case it's Crystal Palace at home but then it gets more difficult in game week six and seven they got Chelsea away and Brighton at home so really the fixture swing for Villa isn't until game week eight onwards I don't think the next three are that bad from an attacking perspective but I wouldn't want to play a defender in all three of those games the only two attackers that I would look at are Watkins and Diaby just on Ollie Watkins I do think he's a slightly worse option than he was last season because he's already lost penalties but he's also playing fewer minutes per appearance now it's worth reiterating once again this is a very small sample size but so far in the four league matches that Villa have had he's averaged 80 minutes last year that was 84 over a whole season so maybe Unai Emery is going to be happier to use some of his backup forwards off the bench right I still think Ollie Watkins is going to start every single game but also they've got Europa Conference League matches this year as well and I think Unai Emery will take that seriously so I don't think it makes Watkins an avoid far from it he's still going to start every game his underlying numbers are good but without penalties and possibly come, uh, being substituted a little bit earlier he maybe is slightly worse but I think when the fixtures are good he's still going to be worth looking at would I mind owning him for Palace at home Chelsea away Brighton at home from game weeks five to seven not necessarily but I probably wouldn't rush out to buy him either and it's a similar situation with Diaby for 6.6 .6 million I think he's a great price I've been really impressed with how quickly he's adapted to Villa and the Premier League do you need to rush out and buy him now probably not everyone's got a midfield that's absolutely stacked with great players but from game week eight onwards especially if you want to try and buy someone like 
uh, Mo Salah. You are going to need slightly cheaper players in there, and maybe that's where Diaby comes into play. With the defenders, it's a little bit like Spurs. If you can buy them this week and play them and then bench them for game week six and seven, then they're definitely worth looking at. If you need a defender that you can play in each of the next three game weeks, then I'd probably just look elsewhere because Chelsea away and Brighton at home are going to be very difficult to keep clean sheets in. If you are looking at some of their defenders, I think as it stands, Matt Cash is probably the best option. He's looked very attacking in his last few games, but I do still have slight concerns long-term not only about his positioning, but also possibly about his minutes. And obviously that will depend on the fitness of other defenders. When Moreno is fully fit, he seems to be Unai Emery's preferred attacking option. Now, it doesn't mean that Matt Cash won't play, but he might be less attacking. And it is possible that they set up with Pau Torres, Konza and Diego Carlos. So Diego Carlos will probably play centre-back alongside Pau Torres. And Konza could play right back. And obviously that would be a back three in possession and Moreno would be the one bombing forward. They could do that with Cash in the side. But if he's tucking in as a centre-back, he's not going to be quite as attacking. So it's a difficult one to analyse right now. Obviously, if Cash keeps playing in that role, he's absolutely the best one to get for 4.6 million. But if you're kind of desperate to pick up an Aston Villa defender right now, to maybe bench in 6 and 7, but then to have from game week 8 onwards. And by the way, it's Wolves away, West Ham at home, Luton at home, Forest away, Fulham at home. It's a really good run. You could maybe look for a more boring but safer option in Conzo. I just don't think there's going to be any games where he doesn't play and he's only 4.5 million. If you're waiting a bit longer... And you are going to wait for that swing in game week eight onwards. Then Moreno is the one that I would want. But we need to see him prove his fitness over a number of games before we buy into that. Because obviously Lucas Dean is still there. And he's done quite well too. And Moreno has been out for a little while. So I think Cash is probably the obvious one. But more safer and boring pick is probably Pau Torres or Konza instead. So if you've enjoyed that video, make sure to give it a like. Hit that subscribe button. Let me know about the teams I've talked about. Is there any players you're looking to target? Anyone that you're looking to kind of hold on to? If you listen on podcasts, make sure to rate it five stars as well. And I'll catch you again soon for another FPL video. Sports Social Podcast Network.